We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. All right, I'm back. Tommy's here. Uh, I will do a podcast tomorrow as well. Have to play a little bit of catch up um, on uh, this week. Uh, out the last two days. Not going to get into the details as to why I'm out. Uh, was out because a lot of you will say, "Well, you shouldn't be back in today." I'm fine. I feel great. Tommy is uh, with me from lovely, uh, lovely Panhandle of Florida. Um, how's the weather down there? Because you just missed another snow event. It was 68 and sunny here yesterday. Oh, my God. We had two. And I think we're, we're due for like 50, 58 and sunny today. We had two to four more inches, like literally in like four hours overnight. I mean, I slept right through it. But when I woke up this morning, it's a, it was that light, fluffy snow. What you missed the other day was like a true heavy, wet snow, which is the worst. The dry, right. fluffy snow that you can just sort of sweep off, or if you start driving, it sort of blows off, is nice. Um, but it is, because I just went out real quickly to get some coffee, it is cold and windy and brutal. And for those of you looking for me to provide a long-range weather outlook, there's going to be a lot of cold weather in January and a lot of, I think, more snow and ice and kind of um I think we've got winter this year Un- for a lot of you you've enjoyed the last couple of years which have been very nice but we're in we're in for a run here of some pretty cold weather and probably some snow chances over the next few weeks probably the rest of the month so there you go on the on the tomorrow, weather update tomorrow 64 and sunny sunday 72 monday 70 and sunny yeah, but with the wind Not chill, bad. it's like 67 on, on Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, our, here we go. Today, it's not going to get out of the 20s, all right, with wind and wind chills wow. in the single digits. Tomorrow, we're up to 29. Sunday, freezing rain in the morning, turning into rain, upper 30s to low 40s. Tuesday of next week, the high temperature, 24 degrees. Um, It does get into the 40s at the end of next week, but then next weekend it gets cold with another chance of snow, sleet, rain, freezing rain. uh, Who knows? It's a long way off. So there you go. You know, um, today's the last Friday football show that we will do. We usually don't do the Fridays together. 
It's depressing for me, the end of the rhythm of the regular season football schedule. I don't think it is for you. I'm not asking you if it's something that bothers you. I I love Labor Day, you know, through September, October, November, December with the rhythm of the football season. I love that. Not just because of what I do, but I've always enjoyed that time of the year. And a lot of it has to do with looking forward to football every weekend. You know, I mean, it, it's not for me as much anymore. Uh, and I know they played uh, all the games in the NFL, even though they had to postpone uh, some of them. But there's so much uncertainty and topsy-turviness right now in sports. Uh, with COVID, and in baseball in particular, with the lockout that's going on, you know, that's the season I really look forward to. Uh, I'm just There's just so much uncertainty about the future, the immediate future of uh, sports that I like to watch that uh, I, 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 just, I can't get excited about any of it. I, I, <clears throat> I get that. It's, I think I was expecting, you know, potentially last year and this year for it to seem disrupted and disjointed. And I guess at times it did, but it still felt very much like a normal football season. It's just, it flies by so quickly. You know, a baseball season is April through October. This thing is basically four months, you know, before you hit the postseason. The postseason's great. I love the NFL playoffs, and they start next weekend in you know, now with the expanded playoff format, you get six games next weekend. And I don't know if you know this, and may- maybe many people that are listening don't know this, but th- there are two games next Saturday, wild card weekend games, three on Sunday, and then for the first time ever, one of the playoff games is going to be on Monday Night Football. So that's right. Ne- next week we'll have two on Saturday, like one late Saturday afternoon, one Saturday night, three on Sunday, you know, a normal one o'clock, four fifteen or four twenty-five and eight fifteen. And then one of the six wild card weekend games is gonna be a Monday night game. That'll be interesting. You know, obviously the team that wins that game is going to play the following Sunday, not on Saturday. They can't have a team play a Monday night game and then be asked to play again on Saturday. But that team is going to have, you know, six days. But then again, we've seen that before. Teams that play on Sunday have played on Saturday before. But anyway, I, the, the point is, I um, it's not that I'm a creature of habit. I mean, God, was there any more creature of habit than Andy Poland of people in our professional yeah. lives? Um I was just thinking about him because he sent out a tweet that I want to read a little bit later on in the show when we talk about Glenn Consor. <clears throat> but um, I do love that th- the time of year. It's football. There's a rhythm. There's a scheduled nature, which is why, you know, one of the reasons it's so popular. And looking forward to, you know, each week, uh, you know, all of the games on Saturdays and Sundays. And this is the last week we have of a full slate of regular season games. So there you go. I just wanted to tell you that it's sort of depressing. It's not like, you know, post-holiday well, let depression. Me, but let me, let me lift your spirits by telling you what today is. What's today? Today is the 44th anniversary of my wedding. Really? Happy anniversary. Yes. 44 years. Can you believe that? No. 
So <laughs> I, I, I I can't believe that. So you got you guys got married January seventh, nineteen seventy eight. Yes. Wow. Yes, we did. Yeah. Wow. I was married fifteen years after you. Um, in March of nineteen ninety three which uh, I'll never forget that month. I'll never forget that month in part because there was a major, the the blizzard of the century, um, the 1993, March of 1993 storm, for those of you right. who follow that kind of stuff. <clears throat> but, um, wow, 44 years. How, yeah. is she, how has she done it? Seriously. <laughs> how has she survived this? How is she still well, with she, someone like you? Well, she comes from a, a strong, good family Catholic background. <laughs> So she's used. So she's used to suffering. She's used to sticking it okay. out. Yeah, she's used to pain and suffering. Yeah. Well, happy anniversary to you and Liz. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Um, you told me something. Don't right you before. feel better already? Yeah, I'm. I'm glad we're doing your show. The show on your anniversary. I'm surprised we're doing it. I'm sure you have a whole day planned. You know, I'm sure you've got a big day planned for Liz. You got a big dinner. You're going to whisk her off to um, some sort of island getaway for the night. What are you doing? What's your What are your big plans? I can't. I can't reveal them yeah. to you because you know. I mean, there's a paparazzi. They'll want to. They'll want to follow. So tell everybody what you told me right before we started to record the podcast. Oh, I I found out. That uh, Dan Snyder's son, who's named Jerry, who's obviously that's after Dan Snyder's father, right. who was very beloved uh, for for Dan. Uh, we've all we've all known that Dan's son Jerry played football this past uh, fall at Appalachian State. Did, that's that... now I had heard he was he was a he had played football at Bullis. Uh, but I didn't realize he was that good of a player. Right. I, I didn't either. I mean, Cooley told me that he was good and that he was a good high school because Cooley had worked with him a lot individually in recent years. Um, but I did. I had no idea he was playing at Appalachian State, which, you know, they – Yeah, which is a good program. Oh, it's an excellent program. They were in a bowl game, I'm pretty sure. I'm trying to think. I'm looking yeah. it up right now. Um. They were in, were they in a bowl game this year? I think they were in a bowl game this year. They're in the Sun Belt Conference. Yeah, they won. They they won the Sun Belt. I don't know if they won the Sun Belt Championship game or not. It looks like they lost the Sun Belt Championship game, but they played Western Kentucky right in the Boca Raton Bowl um, and lost fifty nine to thirty eight to Appalachian to uh, Western Kentucky. Excuse me. Um, does he play? It doesn't, he, I don't, it doesn't, he's only a freshman. Look like he plays. Yeah, he's a freshman. He's a freshman. He's not big. I mean, he's bigger than Dan. He's six foot two twenty. Uh, and he plays tight end. Right. Uh, and so that's going to be a tough position to him, for him to play, but he's on the roster. He's listed as a tight end freshman from Potomac, Maryland high school, Bullis school. Yeah. Well, I, I've told this story before. That first of all, Cooley always said their kids are great kids, and that Jerry's a great kid. But but beyond that, um, when he was in high school and went to Georgetown Prep before he transferred, I think to Bullis, uh, and I think he must have been playing at that point freshman 
uh, football for two of my favorite uh, coaches out of prep. And I remember they called me unsolicited and said, you know, the father, whatever he is, he is. The kid couldn't be nicer um, and couldn't be a better kid. Um, And I've heard that about their kids in general over the years. And so, you know, look, I know a lot of really good people whose kids are troubled. And I know a lot of, you know, weird and strange people who seem to have great kids. So I, I, I don't know what, what you judge on that, but I'm sure the mother's had significant influence. I have no idea. Maybe he's a terrific father. Um, for all we know, I mean, we know he's very much a family person for, you know, he certainly has spoken of that over the years, but I had no idea that his son was a college, a division one college football player. That's great. Neither did I. And I know somebody who worked with him too, as well as a coach who had nothing but good things to say about him as well. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard the same things. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So, and I got, before we get started, and this is this is what we call a tease. So you better pay attention to the whole podcast today. I have a confession to Kevin when we're done. Yeah, but see, teasing doesn't work in a podcast because they can just fast <laughs> forward to whenever we talk okay. about that right now. So okay. we'll tell you what. We're not sure if we're going to do it on today's show, tomorrow's show, or Monday's show. you got to listen to the whole show. Um, just a reminder to all of you, if you can subscribe to the podcast, it really helps us out. Uh, it doesn't cost you a thing. And on Apple and Spotify, it really does help us. And many of you have done it this week and I appreciate it. Um, but for those of you who haven't done it, if you can take literally 30 seconds to a minute, um, and rate us on Apple or Spotify or wherever you're able to rate us, not every platform allows for rating and reviews um, but rate us five stars uh, and then write a quick review it can be one to two sentences about how much you enjoy the podcast um, all of that expression of loyalty and uh, to the podcast uh, really does help us on the advertising front so if you can do that that would be great um, and we would appreciate it so, I, I mean, there are lots of things to touch on today. It is a football Friday. I will have a smell test later on in the show. I can tell you it's the hardest NFL Sunday to figure out. You know, there are just too many teams that have nothing to play for. It's the most difficult weekend, you know, other than a preseason. It really is almost a preseason week unless you have a matchup with two motivated teams. The, the problem is, is you don't know who's motivated and who isn't. Um, in most cases, these games are just trying to move quickly, get them over with, get to, you know, uh, locker room clean out and get to Turks and Caicos or wherever they're headed. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of games have a lot of teams that have something to play for, but they're playing teams that don't. Interestingly, the only two games on the board – Sunday, where two teams have nothing to play for are Washington, New York, and then Minnesota, Chicago. Those are the only two games that don't include either a team that's already qualified for the playoffs and is playing for seeding or a team that is still trying to get to the playoffs. Um, so the, the aggregate record of the matchup, I think, between Washington and, Giant, and, and the Giants is the worst of all the matchups. By the way, Washington is a seven-point favorite in the game, which tells you the odds makers believe 
that the Giants are just so awful, which they are, um, and, and that Washington's better, or they for some reason think that Washington is going to be motivated. I think it has more to do personally with the Giants and their quarterback situation, which is horrendous, and the fact that they've already tapped out once. You know, even though Joe Judge said he would never do it, you know, after after Philadelphia tapped out against uh, against the Skins last year, that's exactly what his team did a week ago. I mean, they completely conceded. Um, they essentially went down to their knees before the game ever started. Uh, and they are just uh, apparently really playing out the string. But we don't know what Washington will be like this week with their first game that means nothing. So it's really impossible to handicap a lot of these games. There's one game that fits the smell test criteria. I'll just tell you right now, just one. So I'll have that later on. And in terms of Washington beats the Giants, if Tommy, my idea was to talk about how they can lose the game because I want them to lose this game. I, well, I don't really give a shit really one way or the other. But I think really hardcore fans of the team right now should root for them to lose this game. They currently have the ninth position in the first round. They can move up to the seventh or they can fall back to the 13th with a win. Um, and, you know, people will say, and I think justifiably so, it's reasonable to say, uh, Sheehan, you can get, you know, you, sometimes the player you get at 13 is much better than the player that you, that you get at seven. Well, of course, it's very unpredictable. But what you have with a higher pick is more leverage. If you want to trade up, you don't have to give up as much. If you want to trade back, you're going to get more. So it's better to have number seven than number 13, which means that it's in their best interest Sunday to lose the game to the Giants. I just don't know that they so can this, lose. This is, this is the rationalization that's going to be put forth if they do lose. Am I right? This uh, will be the rationalization. They, 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 they lost... Uh, to get a better traffic, because if they lose Sunday, my opinion is, oh boy, here we go. Based right. on what Ron Rivera has said, about the this. whole character, <laughs> the whole change of culture, yeah. uh, you know, agenda, right down the drain, right, right down the drain, and over, finish. Right. They lose <laughs> this game to the Giants. Yeah, we... This team has no character and less culture change than than, than before. Right. I, it's I... all bullshit if they lose to the Giants. All of it. I'm uh, boy. This sounds like a column, and I would urge you not to write it because you're going to sound really stupid. Um, because oh, okay. because NFL fans know that there's zero that comes out of this result other than draft positioning. Remember, uh, well, we we had this conversation the other day. So, um, you know, p- playing the the flip side to this. So, if they win, the culture's fine. Culture's stronger than ever. If they beat the Giants Sunday, are you going to write that column? It's not going in the wrong direction. <laughs> well, I look. I think there's a limit. That's right. You said, you said it would be neutral. Change. Well, wait a minute. You you just said if they lose, it is a total indictment of their culture. If they lose this meaningless game to the Giants, so is well, if it? You, if you're a boxer, if and you beat a uh, fighter that you should beat. What does that say about you? But if you lose to a fighter that you that you should beat, that says everything about you. Losing speaks louder sometimes than winning. You brought this up the wrong sport. Cases. You brought up the sport that has seen many a dive taken by better fighters against worse fighters. 
And that's exactly no. what could happen on I'll Sunday. Tell, you what, tell me the dives. Tell me the dives. What do you mean? The dives that you've seen in boxing. Well, I don't know. I'm always I mean, curious about this. Oh, am I wrong about this? I, maybe I am wrong. It's just obviously there's a reputation that there have been many dives taken in boxing, right? Right. On a championship level, no. Oh, is that what we're talking about? I Sunday's would, game is a championship level game. Well, we're talking about game? the NFL. Okay. The NFL. We're talking top top level football. We're talking about two tomato uh, cans. Uh, uh, losing speaks more than winning in this game. Okay. And if they lose, you can crush that culture change right down the tube. <laughs> okay. And if they win, what? If they win, nothing. Oh. They're, they're, it's, it's, they're, they're, they're treading Why? Water. Why? Because your basis for this is something you believe Ron Rivera believes in his heart. So if Because they... there's always so far a culture change with this organization will get you. You can't, you, ultimately, what's going to stand in the way of changing the culture for good is the owner. Okay. So you can keep going in a certain direction. You know, Ron Rivera has limits as to how far he can change his culture. So um, you you believe that a win means that they're not going backwards, but they're not going forwards right. either. So it's not even a right. small step in the right direction if they win. No. Oh, okay. It's nothing. So there's only a downside to this. Yeah. Are you going to write the column if they win? No. Are you my editor? I'm just curious. Are you my editor? Are you going to write the column yeah. if they win? This You're praying for them to lose because you've already got this column written. I know no. you. No, 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 no. And you well, probably I'm going to write that column it. if they lose. But, 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 Kevin, there is no lack of material for me to write about <laughs> for this football team. Okay? So I don't have to hang my hopes on one angle. There's plenty of angles. You to don't go. have to, but are you? I don't care if they win or lose. I really don't. <laughs> well, let me okay. Let me let me rephrase. If they lose the game, will that be your column? Maybe. Who knows? Maybe they'll bring. They they won't let their players sit on benches on Sunday. <laughs> Who knows what will happen with this football team on Sunday? The last, you know. So I can't. I can't predict what will happen. I can. You're pretty predictable. Maybe um, Ron Rivera will punch Joe Judge in a post game handshake. Speaking of that, uh, on the radio show this morning with me, Rivera did, um, and I'm going to play it for you uh, a little bit later on uh, Later on in the show, he did uh, react differently than he had earlier in the week to what Joe Judge said. He was not happy with what Joe Judge said at all. So you'll be able to hear that um, coming up on the podcast. That's a tease, by the way. Uh, but don't fast forward because I'm not going to tell you where it is. But I think you wrote this column. I'm pretty sure... And in fact, I am sure that you wrote this same column because you always refer to that 2017 game with Jay Gruden. It's the same thing, right? What did Gruden say? Something similar to what Rivera said, right? Yeah, basically, it's important to finish eight and eight that year. Right. It was it was important for the organization to finish eight and eight. Actually, the year before, when they lost to the Giants, when they had a chance to make the playoffs, right. And, and, and the Giants were playing a meaningless game. Yes, I said that Jay should have been fired after that game. Yeah, that That's was when Jay Gruden should that have been hideous. fired. That was hideous. That was, but that was a game they had to win to get into the playoffs. So they were actually, yes, yes they did. They were in, into it a little bit. The game in New York at the end of the 2017 season. Did you write a column that this was a major hit to their culture? 
Well, I mean, I, they had no culture then. Right. Well, do they, they now? Had no culture. Culture wasn't even an issue. Right. Well, then what was the column about? Because I remember that you thought it was very, very important based on what Jay Gruden well, said that they win the game. Another indictment on, on Gruden. He lost to a two-win Giants team. Right. And then the next year they started 6-2. Six 6-3, and, two. Six and right. three. yeah. Um, do you really? Oh, and so, all... we're gonna, so we're going to count Alex Smith here as some kind of, no, they would have finished uh, like 12 and 3, 12 and gonna, 4. What's the deal, Kevin? I thought I was going to get through that one. Um, they, well, unfortunately he broke his leg and they finished seven and nine, but yes, I don't think that the season was headed to some sort of magical ending had he stayed upright, but I, I, I don't, I think this is one of those things you do every once in a while where you just are absolutely convinced that you can sell this and you can write about this and you can argue about this. I can't actually really come to the conclusion that you really deep down believe that this is a big culture game for Washington Sunday against the Giants. I, I if just the co- If the coach says it every out coach, loud. Uh, what coach says we're going to try to lose? What coach no, says? Nobody says that. But yeah. he went out of his way to talk about the importance of finishing strong. I bet you. And how it's important you know who else did that? to their character. Yeah. He, he went out of his way to do that. You know who else did that? Who do you think he's talking to when Ke- he says that? Kevin Stefanski. Oh, Kevin Stefanski said it this week. Mike Zimmer said it this week. Kirk Cousins said it this week. I bet if I went around to every single team that's playing for nothing, that somebody critical in that organization said, we're going to play this game to win it. It's very important that we go out on the right foot. Okay. The the coach has publicly said that, and his players don't respond. What does that mean? Nothing. Oh, okay. Absolutely nothing. In this game, absolutely nothing. Last Sunday was much more, much more important in terms of what his players think about the coach. This is harder. This speaks more to character and culture than last week. Really? Yes, this is a harder game to win in the sense that there's nothing at stake. What if he plays like every player that that has barely even played this year? Well, then you'll, then, then you'll have to acknowledge that his agenda was to lose the game. Okay, I, I'm, I'm done talking about this with you. This is, this is absurd. No, there's nobody that it's thinks this is a big culture game for, for Washington on Sunday. You, you, are, so. you are by yourself on this one. So you know what? You ask the coach next time he's on how full of shit he was when he said that. No, I would never do that because I know that, that that's the answer that almost every single coach gives in their position. Okay. It's a total stock answer. It's the default. We're going to play hard. We're competitors. We, you know, we're out between the white lines. We're, they're, they, they've no, they, they've not, got a clock. No. They've got referees. They're going to make us you wear our uniforms. It's a game. We're competitors. We're going to play it. He used so, the word character. Okay. And that speaks volumes inside this organization. And if I'll tell you what, if they get beat with all of their starters and they go down hard, the one thing I'll say to them is if you don't like the response, don't use the word character next year before a similar game because there's at least one columnist in town that's going to actually take you literally. Literally. Um, okay. What? Uh, so I wanted to um, 
Scott Turner and Jack Del Rio spoke yesterday for the final time. The, the coordinators always talk on Thursday. So for the final time this year, they spoke. And I wanted to play just three quick sound clips. The first one is from Jack Del Rio. This is Michael Phillips from the Richmond Times-Dispatch, good friend of, of all of ours, who asks the question about whether or not Jack Del Rio is going to be back as the defensive coordinator next year. Listen to his answer. Jack, just since this is, I think, the last time we'll get to talk to you, are, are you hopeful to come back to this position next year? <laughs> I, don't even know, I don't even know what you're talking about. I mean, I'm not hopeful. Uh, will be. So that was Jack Del Rio, you know, kind of laughing a little bit um, and then saying, I'm not hopeful. I will be. Yeah, he expects to be back. I, I think um, – let me let me just back up here for a second. Remember when we were having all the conversations about Jack Del Rio and his politics and his his Twitter handle and the things that he was tweeting and retweeting and liking, et cetera, and he was – clearly a major trumper and very very conservative and we wondered how that would play in the locker room going back to before the 2020 season right remember those conversations right so how do you yes. think it has played with him and apparently his it has not played at all it has had zero impact it seems i think his players really respect him I don't know what the relationship between Ron and Jack is. I, I don't. I have no idea whether or not Jack Del Rio is going to be back as a defensive coordinator or not. Um, I would guess yes. And if you were to ask me right now, I had to wager on a coordinator being gone or a position coach being gone or none of the above. I would say maybe a position coach or two. And maybe in some cases that may be because they get a better opportunity. Who knows? I mean, there's typically some of that in the offseason anyway with a team that finishes 7-10 and 10 or 6-11. and 11. Uh, God forbid they fix, you know, finish 6-11 and 11 because it's going to be a major hit to the culture. Um, but I think the players really like him. And I kind of like him too. I think he is a very competent defensive coordinator. And I really like kind of the way he, in the media, is very limited in the things he says. And he his default on almost everything is to make sure he doesn't say anything that would, you know, that, that would be critical of one of his players or, you know, anybody else. I think he's a pro. Like, I think he's a seasoned pro. He's been a head coach. He's been a coordinator. Right. I kind of like he's Del been, Rio. He's been, he's been on television, too. He's been on TV. He he actually was asked so about he, that. Yeah. Yeah. So, look, I agree with you. If you, if you want a football coach, bare bones football coach, that's your guy. Yeah. You know? I mean, that's, that's pretty much all it's about for him. And you're right. He's very smart and limited in the responses that, that he gives. Uh, at one point this year, when the defense was really stinking it up, I tweeted out that if they keep doing this up, Jack Del Rio will wind up being Herschel Walker's campaign manager uh, in, in, in Georgia. Right, I remember that. Yeah. But, uh, no, I mean, I'd want him back if I was a Washington football fan. And I've heard rumors that uh, he has more influence than just being a defensive coordinator. Far more influence. Yeah, it, but is that an influence that Rivera is okay with? 
I mean, it well, should be. I don't know. It, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't I honestly don't have a good feel for anything. I do want to just go back as we're talking about Del Rio to remind everybody that this defense underperformed in a massive way compared to expectations. This was a bad defense this year for the most part. There were a couple of games where they stepped up and played well, but for the beginning of this season, they got trampled. I mean, they were the worst third-down defense through like seven weeks of the season that the NFL had seen in like eight years in terms of the percentage they were giving up on third down. Interestingly, they are 31st in the league right now in um, on third-down defense, and the Chargers, who are on the verge of potentially going to the postseason, are actually 32nd. It's very close between Washington and the Chargers. The big difference is the Chargers are third in the league in first-down offense, um, but Uh, this was a a massively disappointing season for a team whose strength going into the year was supposed to be its defense. Now, it was a weird year. They had a lot of key injuries. We obviously went through a lot here over the last month with the team in general. But for the most part, the most disappointing part of this season, when, when 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 it gets down to it, is that the defense underperformed in a massive way. That is number one. When we start doing the autopsy next week and, and, and the weeks after, the biggest disappointment this year was Washington's defense. So there is that. And he runs the defense. Yeah. So? So what I was – What are you saying? I, I lost my train of thought. So what I was saying was – Early in the season, I suggested, because I had heard some things, that things weren't all well behind the scenes, that it was more than them just not playing well, that something else was going on. Remember some of those conversations? And obviously, Ron was kind of confirming it all year long with the maturity comments, with the lack of discipline, with the not doing your job, not being where you're supposed to be. And I think we all know that Chase Young was a big part of that. But I think that there were some other issues along the defensive line, potentially with the position coach, and maybe in other spots defensively as well. So, I don't know. I have a certain level of confidence in Del Rio, but I think when you when you underperform as much as Washington's defense did this year, like you can blame injuries and COVID, and they are reasons, not excuses, I mean, those are realities of, of the NFL. If you have a lot of injuries, you're not going to have a great season. Um, but the truth is, when they had their two biggest injuries defensively, they actually played their best games defensively. But you had a linebacker that they took in the first round that they thought was going to be a middle linebacker, who now Ron Rivera says might not be a middle linebacker. It took them several games to move Landon Collins into that Buffalo nickel, that downhill you know, safety, which was really a linebacker role. Um, you had William Jackson really slow in developing. He was the biggest free agent signing for you in the offseason. Uh, so there were a lot of things that just weren't working defensively all year long. So my point is, while we're sitting here both saying we like Jack Del Rio, and I think the NFL likes Jack Del Rio, I think most people would tell you this guy is a pro. He knows what he's doing. He's a good defensive uh, coordinator, worst case. But he's coming off a year in which his unit underperformed in a major way. Yeah, you can't deny that. 
I mean, you really can't deny that. Uh, but we can't put our finger on why, right? We don't know why. Is it, is it, did we overestimate the talent? I mean, part of it is just what we talked about during the preseason. The teams that they were going to play and the quarterbacks that they were going to face, like early on, Justin Herbert and then Josh Allen and Matt Ryan and Jameis Winston actually had the, his only great game. You know, Pat Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. You know, it was going to be harder to begin with, but they weren't really even close in a lot of these games. I mean, they really weren't. Why do you why do you think that is? I mean, I don't know. Maybe did we overestimate the talent? I think that if I think it's a really good question. I think that probably I wouldn't put it as much on the coaches, even though I just listed, you know, Landon Collins late, Jamin Davis not ready, maybe not, you know, played out of position, Collins playing out of position early, Jackson may not have been the best guy to sign in free agency because he's, you know, more of a man corner, et cetera. But I think it's probably the personnel. You know, the, the players that actually emerged defensively this year as players that I think they're going to be able to rely on, you know, moving forward, are obviously John Allen, who was already a really good player, but that but had his best year. Um, a guy like Cole Holcomb, who I think keeps getting yeah. better. A guy like Cameron Curl, who actually has a chance to be an excellent player in this league. And the truth is, Landon Collins and the role that they moved him to is a pretty good player in that role. You know, I think Deron Payne and Matt Ioannidis are good players. I think Deron Payne, for me, I'm going to get to the point where I'm going to say he's not living up to what I think his talent is. You know, one of the first players Jack Del Rio pinpointed when he got here in terms of a guy he's really excited to see was Deron Payne because he's a physical freak. And just pops. And he does that in games sometimes. But it's not consistent. Whereas Allen is excellent but consistent as well. You know, the big big things are you did not have a chance to see whether or not Chase Young could turn it around in the second half of the season. We never got that opportunity. And we really, for all intents and purposes, didn't get that opportunity with Montez Sweat either. And they were supposed to be your two best defensive players. Yeah. And we don't know what they're going to be. We, to, I think it speaks more to personnel than it does to coaching. But that's a guess. I have no idea, really. I don't know. I, um, well, put it this way if you would, if both of us were told in August, Chase Young is going to have one sack and then blow his ACL out. Um, and Montez Sweat isn't going to have that much more, and he's going to miss a lot of games, we would have said this defense might be in big trouble, even though that area of the team had more depth. But it wasn't really defensive end depth. It's inside player depth with you know Payne, Payne Allen and, and Ioannidis and, and Settle as the, as the tackles defensively. And yet they did lose both of those players, and – and when they lost them, it wasn't a big loss. It didn't feel like in the moment because of the way they were playing. I mean, right. Look, if, if you told me 
that Chase Young would have one sack and then tear his ACL I would, and be gone for the year, I would have figured that would have happened in the, in the second half of the first game. In other words, if he only had yeah. one sack no, following to show for his season, yeah. that, that would have been it. Yeah. I mean, it took him many games to get that one sack. But at the same time, if you are, you know, if you think, okay, well, this was, you know, whatever the reasons were, he still has extraordinary talent. And so does Montez Sweat. And you're not wrong in saying that. It doesn't mean that they'll end up being great players. But at least they have something that you can't teach, which is they have tremendous talent. So if if next year... They end up, you know, blossoming, coming into their own, being, you know, playing the scheme more, being more coachable. You know, maybe they end up having big years and the defense takes the step we were expecting this year. I mean, I wasn't expecting them to be statistically what they were last year because of the teams that they were going to be facing. But I did think we would get to the end of the year and say, you know, they didn't finish fourth DVOA, but they finished 10th. And given what they were up against, I mean, they had a pretty good season. And next year, look out because all these guys are really coming into their prime, you know, and are, are starting to get close to it. But there are big question marks defensively. All right. I wanted to play um, this Scott Turner sound. So. Scott Turner actually had a really um, long press conference yesterday and said a lot of things about quarterback evaluation, actually, that um, are pretty interesting. But I wanted to play these two sound bites about Taylor Heineke. Here's the first one. This is what he said about quarterback Taylor Heineke moving forward. Uh, I think Taylor's definitely going to be a factor. I think that, uh, you know, you know, it's been a up and down year. I think there's been some games where it's been good. Um, and then there's some games that, that it hasn't been as good. And I think you can say that, um, you know, for our entire offense, you know, and, uh, you know, I've, I've talked about this before, like, you know, the quarterback gets the majority of the credit when it goes good and he gets the majority of the blame and probably neither one of them are fair. Um, but, you know, the, it's the most important position um, in the sport. And we can to, to be as good as possible there. And whoever, um, if if we do bring a guy in, if that happens uh, in the you, who how and however that happens, I mean Taylor's Taylor's going to be here, you know. And I know um, what his makeup is, and I know he's going to be ready to to ready to compete. And he ain't going to give anybody anything. So, um, you know, we're going to evaluate everything, you know, after this game, and um, we're going to try to get as good as we can at, at every position, but especially um, at that position. There you go. I mean, Scott Turner said it, and assuming Scott Turner is going to be back next year, and I don't have any reason to believe that he won't be. Um, but, t- you know, his first part of that answer, I think Taylor's definitely going to be a factor. You know, Taylor's going to be here, he said. I know what his makeup is. I know he's going to be ready to compete, and he's going to give, you know, he's going to give everybody everything he's got. We're going to evaluate, you know, more, but, but Taylor's going to be, Taylor Heineke's on this team next year. I'd be shocked if he isn't, uh, and I don't know what role it's going to be. It's going to be. It's going to depend on what they do here in the off season because quarterback's going to be number one priority. You know, finding a legitimate franchise starting quarterback for the next ten years is going to be their top priority, I would think. Um, but Taylor Heineke is going to be here at the very least as a backup. Absolutely. 
I mean, Scott Turner clearly loves him. He said the players love him. You know, his teammates love him. Uh, and uh, I think, I think, look, I think he and, and Taylor Heineke. Here's the problem with Taylor Heineke, and he spoke earlier in the week, and I, I, I read over his comments. He talks like a sparring partner in boxing. <laughs> they always, they always talk about the difficulty of, of the mentality of a sparring partner and getting past that when you want to actually compete for a championship. You know, some guys have done it. Larry Holmes, Larry done Holmes, it, right? Did it, uh, but a lot of guys can't get past it because they're used to being the sparring partner. And Taylor Heineke's comments were sort of like that, like. You know, I'm happy. I'm just happy to be in this league as a backup. And that's probably the truth, you know, personally for him and in reality. He said that? That's probably the truth. I didn't hear him say that. That's interesting. Yeah, he said something like that. Uh, Let me see if I can find it here. But, yeah, so, I mean, I I think that, that, that speaks to more than anything what his future is going to be. I think you're right. I think he'll be here, but uh, I just think that, uh, you know, he's. I'm looking for it right now. Well, let me play Scott Turner's second soundbite. Here you go. go Here you go. Whatever my future holds, if it's a backup, if it's a starter, I'm happy either way. I just want to be in this league playing football. Uh, Interesting. You know, if he mentions the word, if I'm happy being a backup, which, again, is probably the truth. And he's probably a guy who tends to speak the truth when he talks. You know, that's that, that's revealing a little bit. Interesting. I'm writing that down. I did not catch that the other day, but then again, I was kind of, kind of out the other day. So here was the other thing. This that's, is why you pay me all the money. I know. This this, Scott Turner um, was asked what was revealed uh, this year about uh, Taylor Heineke, um, if anything that he, you know, was new for him. Here's what he said. I wouldn't say it revealed uh, anything. Maybe it just kind of confirmed more of what, or like, you know, the scientific method, you, you make a, you form a hypothesis. Uh, like, you know, you, in my head, like I had an idea of what it was going to be like. And I think that, uh, um, or how he would respond to certain things. And I think for the most part, uh, he confirmed that, you know, that I think, you know, whatever people want to say about him, I think uh, everyone, no one can deny his toughness, you know, his fight. I mean, the, the players on the team, they love him. They respect him. Um, all those guys play hard and, and uh, play hard for him and battle for him. Um, you know, and those are the kind of things that, you know, I felt like, you know, we would see. Um, and then, you know, there's, you know, and then the, like the more you play, it gets tough and, you know, um, you're going to get see some difficult looks and, you know, even the best quarterbacks in the world, uh, have have bad games you know so you're going to get some of that um and to me it's how you respond from it and he's done a nice job of, of battling back even though you know the results didn't end up you know how we wanted them to um you know per se but i think uh i think you know he's kind of confirmed what i've already thought of him you know he said in in that soundbite what you said you know a little while ago and i think this is a big part of it like taylor heineke is liked he's well liked he's well respected players believe in him they like him they think he's smart they think he's tough and th- it makes it so much easier 
to 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 want him around. Um, and and I think personally, he's perfectly you know suited and built to be a backup quarterback. You know, he's able to make plays with his legs. He's athletic. He's fearless. He's tough. He's always ready. Um, you know, he's not a guy that necessarily has to get into rhythm. He's a perfect guy to bring in in the middle of a game, or you know, we need a starter this week because our starter's out. And I think he's going to be a backup in this league, and I think he's going to be a backup certainly for this team next year. You know, the other thing that's ironic about um, Taylor Heineke, because a lot of the Taylor Heineke people who are very much like, you know, Sabah, our longtime caller to the radio station, Sabah, I think, also listens to the podcast. And Sabah's a big Taylor Heineke person and has believed since the jump that they should, you know, tear up his current deal and sign him to a, you know, a 25 year lifetime uh, extension. And, <laughs> and she, and, and yet every single week, she just rips Scott Turner to shreds. And the irony of that is there would be no person that's listening to this podcast or you or me, who would even know who Taylor Heineke is if it weren't for Scott Turner. This is Scott Turner's guy. You know, at the end of last year, this was Scott Turner's idea. Hey, what about Taylor? You know, he's taken some classes down at ODU. Alex is banged up. They certainly don't want to play Dwayne. At that point, I think they'd cut him, or maybe they're they're on the verge of cutting him. Yeah, no, they had cut him by then. Yeah, and – and you know Kyle and the whole thing. You know he was he's he's done for the year, and so I mean no one thought it was a great idea except for Scott Turner. So and Taylor Heineke has pretty much said. I mean Scott has you know gave him this second chance. Scott knows him. Scott loves him. I do agree that I think some of the strengths of Taylor Heineke aren't leveraged enough offensively with their scheme or play calling, but. You know, um, they didn't expect him to be the starter this year. They expected Ryan Fitzpatrick to be the starter uh, this year. Um, so, um, by the way, I asked Ron Rivera today on the radio show. I actually recorded it yesterday, but I said, I asked him, I said, what do you think the season would have been like with Ryan Fitzpatrick at the helm? Did I already tell you this or not? Yes, not- you did. Did I tell you tell this to but you, you on the podcast or before the show? No, you didn't tell me on the podcast okay. when we were talking before the show. <laughs> okay, good. I said to him something to the effect of, you know, last year you offered up that things wouldn't have been different with Kyle Allen. Um, you know, if Kyle Allen had started all those games, you you know that Ron thought, you know said. Remember, he said that the results would have been the same if Kyle had been quarterbacking. Right. So I I presented the question that way, and I said, what would it have been like this year had had Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, played all the games? Because t- the interview with Ron yesterday for t- to morning this morning's radio show was not about the giant game. I wish I I, I wish you and I had spent more t- time talking because I would have really hammered home the culture angle. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, but it was more it was more about the future, and you know he said it's a hard question to answer because I knew Kyle from Carolina. I didn't know Ryan that well. We were just starting to get to know him, and I said, well, you know, you kind of have a hunch as to what would have been different. And he actually answered it, and he said, well, we would have thrown the ball down the field much better, and we would have thrown the ball. He would have thrown the ball into tighter windows more often. And that's an admission right there. 
you know, he had arm strength and the guy you had didn't, or he was going to look to throw the ball deep and they could have stretched the field more often with like Terry McLaurin and anybody else out there. And some of the tighter window throws would have been made, you know? So, you know, in, in that at the same time, you probably, and he didn't say this, but you wouldn't have gotten maybe the, the same level of athleticism and playmaking ability that yeah. you got out of Taylor. But Scott said, you know, in talking about quarterback evaluating, ultimately you got to have a guy that can stand in there and make the throws accurately with good decisions um, and with a quick release and quick processing or quick decision making. And, you know, they're going to be looking for a quarterback. Make no mistake, Taylor Heineke might be back, you know, and I, not not might, he will be back, I believe. But they yeah. they want, like they did in the last offseason, they want to find a starting quarterback for their franchise. They did last offseason, and there isn't anything that they saw in these 17 games, after Sunday, 17 games, that makes them believe that that person exists on the team. I did ask him about Ryan Fitzpatrick and ask him, like, if Ryan wants to play next year, would you be interested? Because I don't even know if Ryan physically is going to be able to play next year. We have no idea. But, right. um, you know, he's going to be available Oh, so what did he say? He really – he just said that's something that, you know, I, I we've got to look at when the season's over, and I'd have to talk to Ryan about it because I haven't – you know, he said from what I understand, Ryan's doing okay, but, you know, there's there's a rehab there. I don't think Ryan Fitzpatrick yeah. is going to be on the team next year. Neither I, do I. I think it's going to be Mitch Trubisky, who I know that they've liked for a while, and they're going to draft somebody. That's what I think. And then – Trubisky will start. Does Mitch Trubisky give you really a step up over uh, over uh, Taylor? You really think so? Do I think so? Yeah. I don't know. I yes, I would say step up. I'm not a big Mitch Trubisky fan. Um, I, I the, the playoff game last year against New Orleans was all I needed to see. When on a big fourth down in two, he had a chance to make a first down, and he didn't want to take the big hit, and he ran out of bounds in a game that was still competitive. I'll, I'll never forget that moment. I was like, "There's no way I'd ever want this dude on my team." He ducked well, out. Now you're saying you're going to take him. What? What'd you say? And if he's that, if he's that kind of guy, he's going to be a sharp contrast to the kind of guy that Taylor Heineke is. Who will take that hit? Although Taylor, and his teammates will notice that. Well, Taylor kind of gave himself up before the goal line in Green Bay. Let's not forget well, that. Well, that was just because he was, <laughs> he was stupid. <laughs> um, I don't. I'm not a big Mitch Trubisky fan, but I know that they are. And you know, I don't know if they're going to be able to do much better. But yeah, I think you know overall, Trubisky probably would give them more than Taylor gives them. And, you know, the, by the way, there would be some similarities in style of play. So Mitch being there with Taylor as the backup, and then maybe you draft somebody as well and you keep three, I, I, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. I think Trubisky's definitely in play. Definitely in play. Okay. Okay. Um, we've got other things to get to, and we'll do that right after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. This segment of the podcast is presented by Window Nation. Call them at 866-90-NATION or go to windownation.com. They've got great deals going on, and with the winter being what it looks like it's going to be, you're going to save big on energy bills if you get new windows now. They'll take good care of you. Free estimate. Mention my name, 866-90-NATION or windownation.com. Uh, They're going to save you a lot of money. It'll be worth it just for your energy bill reduction in the upcoming winter. If you've been thinking about new windows, windownation.com rate 6690nation. I just wanted to mention real quickly, Tommy, Maryland played another good basketball game last night. They lost to Illinois 76-64. Illinois is better. Um, Illinois has the best big man in the country in Kofi Coburn. You know, he's seven feet, he's 290 pounds, he is an absolute beast, and when he went out of the fir- uh, out of the game in the first half with foul trouble, Maryland turned a 14-point deficit into a four-point halftime lead. They led by as many as six in the second half, um, and then, you know, they just got overpowered by Coburn. He ended up with 23 points and 18 rebounds, pretty much in a half uh, of, of basketball. Trent Frazier was outstanding for them. But Maryland had two games on the road this week as they really opened up you know, the significant part of their Big Ten schedule. And I think they played better than most people thought they would at Iowa and at Illinois. Now, it doesn't get any easier. They're home Sunday night against Wisconsin. Wisconsin's on a roll. They're ranked. Um, they beat Purdue on the road the other night. But 
Um, Maryland played well. I mean, Eric Ayala, Hakeem Hart, Dante Scott, Fats Russell, that's really the nucleus here. Wahab, the transfer from Georgetown, completely out of his league last night against Coburn. Um, uh, but Julian Reese, the, the freshman out of Baltimore, Tommy, I'm telling you, this guy is going to be a great college basketball player and an eventual pro. By the way, I don't know if you saw this. Tom Brady, you know, um, picked picked Julian Reese as one of the players to be a part of this NIL, you know, apparel uh, deal with Brady. I mean, I forget the details of it, but basically Brady's got some apparel thing and he partnered up with like 10 college athletes, you know, where they're making money via the NIL deal. Um, And Julian Reese is one of the players he picked. Maryland's freshman player out of Baltimore. Um, so he played, you know, he, he doesn't like passing the ball when the ball gets into the post, that's for sure. Um, but he's going to be a special player, but Maryland really has shown some, some good fight and you know, they, they aren't wins, but I think most people thought they were going to get blown out of both games. They were a double digit underdog in both games and they, um, you know, they had a six point lead in the second half and. Illinois is really good. It's it's the first time they've lost to Illinois at Illinois since 2015, and it's the first time Maryland has been 0-3 in conference play in 21 years. Uh, they have never had an 0-3 start since 99-2000, wow. and in that particular year in the ACC, they ended up finishing, I think, third in the league. Um, got to the ACC championship game against Duke, lost, had beaten Duke in, in Cameron Indoor, and then got blown out in the second round of the tournament, actually, by UCLA. Um, but uh, but anyway, that's it. I mean, I know most of you aren't really tuning in to listen to the Maryland basketball discussion, but I, I, I've been impressed, and they're going to win some games. you gotta, you got to get to 500 in the Big Ten, more likely than not, to, to make it to the NCAA tournament. And starting 0-3, I mean that's going to be tough. I mean that means you got to win ten out of the next seventeen to get there. Um, but they're going to win some games that people aren't expecting them to win. They've got several good players. They just don't have a great player or two like they did two years ago, as an example. So anyway, want to talk about Glenn Consor? Yeah, let's talk about Glenn. All right, let me make sure that everybody is aware of this story. So Glenn Consor is the longtime Wizards radio analyst uh, alongside Dave Johnson for years as, the, as part of the Wizards radio broadcast team. Um, Glenn's also done a lot of the TV um, when people have been out, like, they, like uh, Drew Gooden was out the other night, so he called the game on TV with Justin Kutcher on NBC Sports Washington. Um, you and I both know Glenn. Glenn's been on the show many, many times. I like Glenn a lot. He's really, really smart and really good at talking ball. Played college basketball. Um, and he was on the call the other night, uh, as I mentioned, for the Wizards game against Houston, a game that they lost, 114-111 to to the worst team in the NBA. Um, the game-winning call was Kevin Porter Jr., who plays for Houston, he made a three-pointer with four-tenths of a second left to win the game for the Rockets. And Consor said, quote, Kevin Porter Jr., like his dad, pulled that trigger right at the right time. Closed quote. 
Um, Glenn Consor, in the moment, if you take him at his word, which I do, did not know that Porter's father, Brian Kevin Porter Sr., pled guilty in 1993 to first-degree manslaughter in the shooting death of a 14-year-old girl. Um, He also, uh, Kevin Porter Jr.'s father, died himself in 2004, 11 years after he'd killed somebody. Um, when Kevin Porter Jr. was four years old, uh, of a gunshot wound. Um, Consor's description, Glenn's description of, like his dad, pulled that trigger at the right time, set off immediate outrage on social media by people who knew the story of Kevin Porter Jr.'s father, that he had committed a murder of a 14-year-old girl with a gun back in 1993. So his call, Kevin Porter Jr., like his dad, pulled that trigger at the right time in the moment to a lot of people, and I think reasonably so, seemed incredibly inappropriate, but worse than that, incredibly off and mean-spirited. It's not unreasonable, and I'll let you weigh in, Tommy, here in a moment, it's not unreasonable for people who knew the Kevin Porter Jr. personal fa- you know, story about his father to hear that description of the call and think that maybe Glenn was saying it intentionally. Um, among many outraged were uh, was LeBron James, the king. LeBron tweeted out, oh, he thought this was cool, huh? Nah, we ain't going for this. Sorry, but this ain't going to fly. How insensitive can you be to say something like this? Beat it, man. I pray for you, but there's no place in our beautiful game for you. Uh, exclamation point from LeBron James. Um, so, Consor yesterday, after seeing the reaction to it, put out um, a statement. I mistakenly thought that Kevin was the son of former Washington Bullets player Kevin Porter and was unaware that the words I chose to describe his game winning shot would be in any way hurtful or insensitive. Closed quote. By the way, Tommy, before he even explained it, I mean, I knew what the explanation was going to be because I'm a Washingtonian. I grew up as a massive Bullets fan, and when Kevin Porter Jr. was playing at Southern Cal, I assumed that he was Kevin Porter's son. Now, I know that Kevin Porter is 71 years old, but it's not something I ever thought about. I just figured that, you know, I don't know, maybe Kevin Porter was, uh, you know, there's some relationship there. Kevin Porter, for those of you who don't know, was a very good NBA point guard for the Bullets in the 70s and the 80s. He actually was part of one of the bigger trades, which I'll get to in a moment, Tommy. You'll remember this. But I, I, the first Bullet teams I remember is Kevin Porter being one of the best fast-break point guards in the NBA, leading a fast-break with Elvin Hayes on one wing and Phil Chenier on the other after unselled through an outlet pass. And the Bullets were one of the best up-tempo fast-break teams of the 70s because of Kevin Porter. He was a phenomenal player. By the way, he was then traded after they lost in the finals to Golden State in 1975 in a very controversial trade straight up for Dave Bing. Do you remember that, Tommy? Yes. Dave Bing, Bing from D.C., and being you know a future Hall of Fame guard, was playing for the Pistons, and Bob Ferry thought it was a good idea to bring him back home. They wanted, they wanted more stability in the backcourt. They wanted another scorer. 
because Bing was a scorer too. Um, so anyway, I I made the same mistake on Kevin Porter Jr. In fact, I'll be honest with you. I don't think until the last 48 hours I was 100% sure that Kevin Porter Jr. wasn't related somehow to the Kevin Porter or our Washington, D.C. Kevin Porter. I can tell you what I didn't know at all and what I 100% believe Glenn didn't know, and that is the history of his father. So when he was referring to his father in that way, people that did know the history, I, I completely understand the reaction in the moment. But if you didn't know the history and you knew the history of the other Kevin Porter, I get it from Glenn's standpoint. Here's the net of it. You know, you either believe that Glenn Consor assumed that Kevin Porter Jr. was, you know, Kevin Porter's son, the Kevin Porter from the 70s and 80s, or you then have to, if, if you don't believe that, then you believe that he was mocking Kevin Porter Jr.'s dead father. That just wasn't what it was at all. You know, I, look, I, the first thing I thought of when I read it, I said, well, Glenn obviously made a mistake. He was thinking about uh, Kevin Porter, who played for, for the Bullets uh, back in the 70s. And I never, never in my mind did I think this was an intentional kind of thing. I, I thought this was, was uh, unfortunate. You know, it turns out to be a very unfortunate slip-up. Uh, that said, if you're going to call a game and there's a Kevin Porter that's playing for the other team, you're going to do your research and figure out if he's related to the father before you call the game. That's just something to me that stands out. You're going to know that history before you call this game. Because the first thing you see Kevin Porter on the roster, you say, oh, if I, I wonder if this is guy related to the Kevin Porter who played for the Wizards. So you Google it. You do some research. And you can find out about it in five minutes. It's not the first time he's called a a wizard a game involving Kevin Porter Jr. So I think that he just has thought this all along. Well, again, you, 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 you've got to do better. You got to do better homework than that. And that's the only thing I would blame uh, Glenn Concert for not really being prepared in something like this. I mean, it just would have it would have been a first thing to me. Glenn, uh, you know, Kevin Porter. I would have looked it up and found out if he was related or not before I ever uttered anything about it. Uh, but, uh, but in terms of, I mean, in terms of an offense, it was a mistake. It doesn't speak to anything in Glenn Consor's heart. Of course. You know, not. there was no motive in this, I don't believe, at all. Uh, and uh, if you're going to criticize him, criticize him not being prepared on that, but don't, don't take it like this was an intentional shot. You know, I mean, I mean LeBron James has no clue what he's talking about here. Well, so that's Lebr- my position. But LeBron's follow-up is your follow-up. LeBron said, after Consor's apology, said, well, we're going to continue to protect our players. And apparently this Consor is supposed to be a very smart guy, right? Is that what everybody's saying? The guy's a very smart guy. So if you're a very smart guy, I believe you should be able to do your homework on situations. So if you're doing your homework on any of these kids that's in the league, that word that he used for that kid to make that game-winning shot, that sentence that he used, no matter if he knew that that was his dad or not, should have not been used in the first place. First of all, LeBron 
would have been better suited to sort of follow your reasoning. To say he should have done his homework and found out that Kevin Porter Jr. was not related to the Kevin Porter is one thing. Let me just explain something to you. You're not going to, in the game notes, find out about Kevin Porter Jr.'s father so you can steer clear of using a word like trigger, you know, when he sh- you know, makes just, just makes a jump shot during the course of the game, whether you're referring to his dad or not. That, you know, in the same way that you're suggesting he should have done some research and in the game notes, if he had been Kevin Porter's son, it probably would have said, you know, son of former NBAer, but no one in game notes or no one's going to find in research, in doing research, these guys that are doing games every single night, let me just explain this to you. They're not going in depth on every single player out there, they get they get a, a a packet of notes from the public relations uh, people with each team, and they're looking through the bios of those players. There's probably I'm guessing that there's probably not a lot written about Kevin Porter Jr.'s father. So the fact that he didn't know about the father is to me not a matter of homework. The fact that he didn't know that he was related to Kevin Porter, the Kevin Porter that he was referring to, I don't think that that's an unfair criticism. But I also think it could have been one of those things that when Kevin Porter Jr., because he's a young player, and I, I remember him at Southern Cal, that maybe he called a game previously and maybe somebody said, hey, it's Kevin Porter's you know, son. And he just went with it and never looked at it, into it any any further. Who knows? It's, well, that, that it's makes fair. the explanation. It's it, it's it I mean, you know, even look, if you looked it up, you would have found out probably what happened to to this Kevin Porter's father. It probably would have come up. Where? You know, if if you looked it up well, on Google, I'm sure it would have come up. Well what do you mean? Nobody nobody's Googling each player on every roster. They get a packet of no, notes. But, but but you are Googling a player who stands out because of his name to this particular organization. Oh, right. I see what Anybody, you're saying. I'm not even a Wizards yeah, fan. No, 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 no. I got I you. I, I got you. I got you. Okay. But but you could have not just taken player, that. Not but this, this you guy could've, stands out. You could have just taken that from the game notes, too. You may not have had to Google yeah. it. Right. Right. But that, that, I'm just telling you what I would have done. And, again, it's not a crime of, of his heart. It's, 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 to me, it's something that he's apologized for doesn't deserve any kind of punishment or retribution, and uh, we everyone can move on from there. Because I know, I mean, you know Glenn better than I do, but from what I know about him, you know, he's probably, nobody feels worse about this right now than him. Nobody. And not because of his job, necessarily, just because he, he's, he'd be sensitive to, what, what, to the mistake he made. A hundred percent. Sensitive to the fact that he uh, offended and maybe hurt this kid. Who's only twenty-one yes. years old? Um, yes. Maybe LeBron will find it in his heart to, you know, commute his sentence somehow. But what I was going to yeah. say, the last thing that I was going to say is that Andy tweeted this out um, last night, and I think Andy's right. As of now, and we're recording this podcast, maybe something's out there. But Andy, you know, uh, tweeted out there needs to be a statement released by Monumental Sports and Entertainment in support of Glenn. It was an honest mistake. Everybody, everyone who's ever sat behind a microphone for a long period of time has made one. But as of this morning, I didn't. I've not seen that kind of statement. I hope monumental. Uh, I, I, I certainly hope that they do not move on from Glenn Consor because of this very honest mistake. I don't know what'll happen. That would be gutless. That would be gutless. 
Yeah. hundred percent. To do that. They're capable of that. They're capable of gutless. Yep. It's in their resume. <laughs> okay. Um, when we come back, uh, I guess, you know, we'll talk about how they lose the game Sunday because I want them to lose the game. Um, maybe a prediction on the game. I've got a smell test, and Tommy's got some kind of story that he's been teasing me all morning long. Apparently, it's going to make me very, very upset. That's next, right after these words from a few of our sponsors. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Kevin looks where the John Q. public is putting their cash and does the opposite. It's, it's time, time for, for the, the smell, smell test. test. This segment brought to you by MyBookie. Go to MyBookie.com, MyBookie.ag. Use my promo code, KevinDC, and they will double your first deposit dollar for dollar all the way up to $1,000. If you're looking for a safe environment that's fair, point spreads, money lines, pricing, has every single way you want to bet a game, prop bets, in-game bets, there's an online casino um, my bookie is your place. Even if you've got a place already, give them a shot. Take their free money. MyBookie.com, MyBookie.ag. Use my promo code, KevinDC, and they'll match your first deposit dollar for dollar all the way up to $1,000. All right, the smell test, 5-5 five and five last week, one game under 500. I'm telling you, this week is impossible. I've got one pick. I like Carolina plus 8 at Tampa. Um, no Antonio Brown. Uh the Panthers, uh, I had them last week against the Saints. They didn't get it done. They should have. Um, they they led in that game going into the second half, and they missed uh, an extra point. I mean, lots of shit happened in that game. They could have easily covered, but they didn't. They're getting eight. The whole world's on Tampa. Tampa's got to win the game to potentially move up to a two. I think they they could finish anywhere from two to a four seed. I think the same goes for the Cowboys and the Rams as well. So those other games this weekend are big. Um, but... Um, on just sort of, you know, contrarian principle, I'll take the Panthers plus the eight in this one against Tampa Bay. Tommy, as far as Washington goes, 
If they can't stay balanced offensively, they're not going to move the ball. That gives the Giants a chance. And if they can't stop the run, that gives the Giants their best chance. The Giants are going to start Jake Fromm Sunday. Um, Mike Glennon was an absolute disaster. Uh, Saquon Barkley did have 100 yards last week. Um, I'd like to see Washington not win the game uh, and end up with, you know, they can go from either ninth to 13th uh, with a win or ninth to 7th potentially with a loss. Um, it'd be better for them. It'd be it'd be make for better conversation, to be honest with you, over the next few months if they climbed all the way up to 7 because that would put them in a position to maybe get the quarterback if there is one that they want without having to trade up potentially or to trade up fewer spots. Um, but uh, I think Washington wins this game. I think the Giants are a mess right now, um, a big mess. Uh, I like Washington 17 to 10. Really? That's a push, yeah. I don't, I don't know how – I think that in watching the Giants the last couple of weeks, I really think that they have – like this could be the battle of who can tap out more. Um, but I don't see Ron Rivera's team doing that. I, I think he's got higher – to your point, I think he's got higher character players maybe on his team. And I and I think, you know, you're going to get some guys. Taylor Heineke's certainly not going to do anything other than to try to go out there and, and win the game and throw three touchdown passes, you know. Um, they won't have Antonio Gibson, or if they do have him, they shouldn't play him. Uh, there are several people they should not play Sunday, uh, even if they are healthy. But, yeah, I, I think Washington wins – 17 to 10. Do you have a prediction on the game? Washington wins 30 to 14. I mean, this will come down to who throws the most interceptions or fumbles the ball the most, Washington or the Giants. Right. You know, whoever wins the turnover battle has a good chance to win this game. And the Giants are an absolute disaster. All right. Get to your, you know, get to your I story. Mean, just a mess. Get to your story. I can't wait anymore. Okay. You've been teasing me with this since early this morning. You said okay, I might be. You, you said I might. This is what he said to me at one point. He said this might be the last show we do together. Well, I look. I mean, I don't want to exaggerate. You may be irritated. Maybe you'll think it's funny. Let me just say that it's one of those things where uh, it seemed like a good idea at the time. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I was pretty drunk. We were out <laughs> one night. We were out at this bar called McGuire's. And I was pounding down the beers. An Irish bar, real cool bar in Destin. They got all kinds of cool decorations and stuff. And uh, they have one of these things where, you know, they have dollar bills stapled to the wall everywhere. Thousands and thousands of dollar bills. And people write stuff on the dollar bills. So after about my, my sixth beer, I thought, you know what? I got an idea. So I wrote down your phone number on a dollar bill and, and stapled it to the wall. What? What? <laughs> Why? Why it did you like do a good that? Idea I've been. Hold on for a second. What did you write next to it? For a good time. I didn't time? write anything. I just no, no <laughs> just a phone number, and I stapled it. And you know, if I went back to find it, I couldn't even find it. I mean, there's there's dollar bills everywhere. I don't remember exactly where I where where we put it. Okay, let me just tell you something. I swear to you this is true. Over the last 2 days, I've gotten calls. Now, not that I mean this happens a lot to to everybody. I mean, you get your, you know, your potential spam 
calls, which you never answer. And then you get the calls from all sorts of areas of the country, which you don't answer because you know it's more likely than not a robocall. But I've gotten calls in the last couple of days from Arco, Idaho, um, from some uh, area code in Tennessee, uh, from another one in Florida, and hold on, there's a message from the Arco, Idaho thing. Where is it? Oh, I think Did you I... listen to the message? Yeah, actually, I think I deleted it, but I probably sa- it's probably saved in the deleted messages. Hold on. Yes, it is. Actually, it says Burley, Idaho. There's one that says... I- oh, this is DirecTV. <laughs> I didn't okay. listen to it. All it's, right. it's a Let's call not from go nuts Direct here, okay? TV. But I did. I, there, another one from Tennessee. No messages left. And another one from Florida. But why did you Why did you do this? Why? It, I thought it would be funny. Why? I thought it would be funny. And then I just thought it would. I, I thought it would be funny. And like I said, it was one of those... One of those six beers, good idea at the time moment. Were you talking? I, to, I thought I'd talk, have a laugh over it. Were you talking to a bunch of guys like you? Just wouldn't believe this dude I work with. Were you doing one of those things? I was with my family. I was with my family. Uh huh. And so they were, thought it was funny too. What were you saying to your family about me that had me on your mind? We were trying to figure out what to put up there on the wall that would be funny. And I said, I'm going to write Kevin's phone number up there. Well, do they know who and, Kevin is? I mean, I know Liz does. My does family? anybody else? Yes. Oh. Yeah, they know. And so, they thought it was funny. And they thought it was funny. Well, why would they think it was funny? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> so don't you think it's funny, Kevin? I don't think it's not funny. I'm. I'm. I, I actually. I don't think. It, uh, uh, I don't think it. I mean, I hope I don't start getting calls. But I, I'm more curious as to in that drunk moment what the conversation about me was or what was in your yeah. mind to make you think of me. Because I, my guess is that you don't think of me very often, you know, outside of the, you know, two hours a day that we've spent together for a long period of time. And, well, I usually think of me. I usually think of me, and I guess I thought, what would amuse me? <laughs> so and I thought this would. Did it amuse you? Yes, it did. Did you come back to the it table? Me too. I woke up the next morning mm-hmm. and said, "Oh, geez, maybe that wasn't <laughs> such a good idea." Uh, well, I owe you one. I owe you one. <laughs> yes, you do. And let you me just tell me you one. something: there are many nights where I am pretty much <laughs> overserved. So, and, and and let me also tell you that there are times where I am overserved, where, where somebody will come up to me and say, "Hey, tell me about Tommy." So you might be on my mind one of these nights now listen, I when I'm in that condition. I didn't condition. put your name on there. I didn't write your name on there. What, what, but you didn't write anything. You just wrote the phone number? Yes. How many phone numbers again, were on dollar it, bills? I don't know. Hmm. There, it's, a, it's, a, it's like a – there's thousands and thousands of dollar bills up there, <laughs> okay. you know, from years and years. You're a weirdo. I think there's more to you this story me? that you're you're, you're forgiven. I don't. I, I don't. Was, really, I don't really. It was simply I don't, a, a drunken moment. I don't care about my number being on a dollar bill at all. What I care okay. about and what I'm interested or curious about is in that drunk moment why you thought that would be funny. I don't know. That's more interesting to me. 
But anyway. I can't explain what goes on in the mind <laughs> of Tom Lovero. Um, all right. Thank you for doing the show today. Sorry we didn't do it yesterday. Get back to McGuire's. Is McGu- I, I bet you McGuire's is a good spot, isn't it? Oh, yes. Yeah, it is. So we were there on Martini night where martinis are like $3 or something like that. It's unbelievable. So are you deal. drinking gin martinis or vodka martinis? I'm not drinking martinis. Oh. The rest of the party was. I'm a beer drinker. Yeah. Uh, that's but I was I making up for it. So you yeah. don't like martinis at all? I can no. I can make a pretty good martini. My wife my can. wife likes martinis on certain occasions, so I have everything you need in our bar to make a good martini and um Okay. Yeah. That's good. So if you want a good martini out there, call Kevin at this number <laughs> that's posted at McGuire's. Uh, on the way out of this show today, you're going to hear Ron Rivera on the radio show today talking about his reaction to what Joe Judge said about Washington being a clown show organization and we're not having fistfights on our sidelines. This was Rivera uh, this morning on my radio show. If you want to hear the entire interview, just go to the team 980com All right, have a good weekend. Uh, I will talk to you on Tuesday. Enjoy the sun okay, and fun. Bye. Okay, take care. And to be upfront about it, it, it disappoints me because for somebody to make a comment like that and not really know what the circumstance situation we've gone through, I mean, for goodness sake, you know, if you pay attention to what's happening, you have found out that we had just had one of our popular players, a guy that's very popular amongst his teammates, was in a terrible car accident where his longtime girlfriend is, is killed. You know, we had another player who, who lost his brother to a murder, and then, you know, and, and then we had another player who lost another brother. I mean, you know, it's not like, it, it, you know what I'm saying? There's reasons why things happen. And, and, and to take a shot at people when, when people are going through what they're going through, that's not right. I mean, if you don't know and don't understand other people's teams, talk about yourself. Talk about your own team. That's what's fair.